Welcome to the Press Gallery, the Edmonton Journal's politics podcast. I am your host, Emma Graney, and this is the Fun in the Sun edition. With me today, Graham Thompson, legislative columnist. Good morning. Hello. Paula Simons, not feeling the best, our city columnist. How are you, love? Good day. I, uh, I just drank my Buckley's. She so did. We'll she hope. just... She just shot it back like it was Jaeger. <laughs> and, and my partner down the ledge right now, Jenna French. Greetings. How are you? I am well, thank Wearing you. Wearing a lovely dress. Thanks. Can you hear it? <laughs> <laughs> so today we're going to be talking a few things. The sunshine list, even though it's a little bit cloudy. Yeah, sad trombone for sure. Um, We're also going to be talking about events at the Calgary Stampede. And I was there last weekend and it was sunny as hell. If hell is in fact sunny. Hell is warm, allegedly. So sunny as hell, can you say that? I don't know. You're from Australia, so you can say anything. That's right. It's a a special thing we say down under. And then we're going to be talking finally about the Premier's Conference. Um, That's not really much to do with sun. Although the cloudiness... Of our hearts, because John Horgan will not be attending, spurning us. Poor Edmonton. Let's start off. Oh, with I, had, this. I hadn't heard that. Is that because of the fires, or just no. because he's not? Sw- like- he's being sworn in on Tuesday. Well, let's talk about it right now. Okay. Okay. So I, I jumped the gun here. <laughs> no, I don't. Come on. Yes, because we have a very strict plan here on the Press <laughs> Gallery podcast. It's planned down to the second. <laughs> No, John Horgan, the uh, Premier-elect of BC, obviously, will not be attending the Premier's Conference, the Council Federation, here in Edmonton, being hosted by Rachel Notley. He will not be attending because he is being sworn in on Tuesday. And, of course, COF runs the 17th till 19th, and he is getting sworn in on the 18th. Fun fact, though, he actually gets to choose when he is sworn in, and he chose the middle of the Premier's Conference. So are we supposed to read anything into this? Yes, I think we certainly, <laughs> of course we can. <laughs> that is our job. We are the, we, we are the, this Arno is, we are the punditocracy. We this, <laughs> normally, it gives us a chance for him to actually come out onto the national scene, the national stage, and say, hey, here I am, the new premier of British Columbia. And he's chosen not to do that. I think it's because of issues such as a pipeline. What? That, oh, great. Well, but he, yes. can't, he can't hide in British Columbia forever. I mean, if he's... Not forever. He just manages to miss the Premier's Conference. Like, why um, but there become won't, Premier? there won't be another one. I mean, by the time there's another Premier's Conference, he might not even be the yeah, Premier anymore. I know, but exactly. it is not a priority for him, obviously, to be at the Premier's Conference. So he doesn't want to get there. And he'd be questioned by the media, of course. Brad Wall would be in his face because Brad Wall is very good at that <laughs> at Premier's conferences. And, of course, you got Notley, his friend, but also there'd be a lot of questions with Notley and him at the podium together or at least at the, the final news conference, if nothing else, talking about issues like the pipeline. Awkward. Uh, very awkward. So I think he's chosen just to avoid that awkwardness. Oh, but come on. That's not a solution. Oh, I don't know. Who said just, it's a, it's a, it's a we didn't say it was a good solution. <laughs> yeah, like, why show up and and your very first entree onto the national stage becomes a bit of a, a fiasco if you get the media up your nose and other premiers up your nose? Why not just avoid it? you got other problems at home, namely the wildfires, of course, but normally you would think premiers like to go to the premiers' conferences to actually talk to other premiers. Well, this guy had a chance. It's not as if we're really far from Victoria. No, I mean, you can actually fly here. You can get sworn in and then still arrive in time for lunch. Or, now here's a thought, he could have got sworn in this week. He could have have been sworn in. I've been in touch with the the BC folks and I asked him, well, why did he do it on the 18th? 
And they said, well, I mean, there was just so much work to do before he got sworn in. It was the first first day we could possibly admit it in. He could do it on a Sunday like the Premier did here. Yeah, he could have done that. He could have, but he chose the middle of the Premier's conference. And I don't think that that's a coincidence. I mean, like, personally, in my life, I find that avoidance works really well for hard things. (laughs) (laughs) I I get where he's coming from. I would just like to say, as I say every time, that I love that they are called the Council of the Federation because all I can imagine is people in their Starfleet uniforms. Um, (laughs) And especially, I I don't know if they're going to do it in the uh, government house or if they're going to be using other facilities, but the upstairs boardroom in government house looks exactly like a Star Trek uh, set. And so they're they're doing it at the Hotel Mac. Every time they come, they have had the Council of the Federation in that room before, and I couldn't stop giggling. Senator! Senator! (laughs) Okay, note to Sean and video producers... Uh, Starfleet video, please. What, a, a footage, a footage montage <laughs> to Star Trek music. From I'm sure that won't be cause any most interesting Council Federation do, coverage do, ever. Do, 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 do. <laughs> so yeah, basically, ain't no sunshine when he's gone. <laughs> there you go. You wrapped it in. Yeah, and I guess um, guess who's not coming to dinner? Yeah, John Hogan. Although Rachel Notley, um, James Wood, our colleague of the Calgary Herald, um, asked. Her, well, what do you think of Hogan not showing up? She's like, well, I mean, you know, he's got other things on. It's like, oh, come on. <laughs> so she wouldn't even weigh in on that because, of course, they've got a weird relationship too now because he's NDP, she's NDP, he hates Pipeline, she doesn't. Oh, it's is like that, a, it's like a family love, Thanksgiving. That, that love-hate relationship. Yeah, it's like siblings. Kind of like siblings with Brad Wall too. They're always arguing about something. Nothing yet, though. I guess we'll see what comes up. Anyway, so that answers your question that you jumped into <laughs> and was happily one of our topics. Uh, now I want to move to the sunshine list. Janet, you did a you had a, a look at this list. You loved I had a, it, didn't I had a good you? old nerd out for a couple of days. Just <laughs> you really did yeah. scanning through these these lists, and it was a very funny thing. I think actually Keith Gerine, our colleague who covers health, he first had a look at the Alberta Health Services list, and he was like. Huh? Because he was trying to find out how much Verna Yu earned. Verna Yu is the president and CEO of Alberta Health Services and probably one of the highest, higher paid civil servants in the province. And um, but it gets complicated because Verna in 2016 was interim CEO for about half the year and then CEO for the other half of the year. Like we're talking about the calendar year also calendar year. (laughs) Don't get me started. Um, And uh and so, but for some reason, the university paid her salary for the first half of the year when she was interim CEO and the Alberta Health Services paid her salary for the second half of the year when she was real CEO. And um, so there, those salary por- portions of salaries are counted in different places. So when you look at the Alberta Health Services sunshine list, you know, quickly, just kind of cursory glance, it looks like she earned half of what she earned last year, which doesn't make any sense. So then um, this this kind of tweaked Keith off and he's like, what's going on here? So then then Keith promptly went on vacation. Thanks, Keith. Dumped <laughs> Thanks it on my lap. See ya, sucker. Um, <laughs> and uh, so then I started digging through and I love like nerding out on this stuff. So when I went to look in the provincials, well, first of all, there are two provincial lists, which I think is bizarre. So um, you can't just go to one place and find out how much a public sector worker earns. So there's one list 
for government workers. And it's not a nice even... Um, in Saskatchewan, the limit is $50,000. Anybody who earns more than $50,000 in salary... $50,000? Well, it was a different time. <laughs> <laughs> also, salaries are lower in Saskatchewan, but not that much lower. Anyway, they haven't changed the limit. Paul was when just they, like, what? Yeah, when they introduced it in Alberta in like 2012 or 13, it was $100,000. Yeah. And now they're bizarrely connecting it to the rate of inflation or the consumer price index. So now it's for the, the limit above which your salary is reported if you work for the government is $107,375 or $107,071 <laughs> or something like that. Anyway. Um, and oh, then, the sunshine list for those who don't know is basically a list of people oops. in the province of public sector workers who make over a certain number of money. $107,071. Yeah. yeah. And 31 cents. And 31 cents. <laughs> uh, and then for then there's a second list where it's people who work in the public sector that are not government employees. So this includes uh, anybody who serves as a board member or a higher paid employee on an agency board or commission. There's 175 or 176 of them, I think. And then Alberta Health Services and bizarrely, school boards are not included in this, even though superintendents rake in a lot of money, as I reported last week. Wasn't there some kerfuffle about, because they they were given the choice, right, whether or not to be part of the Sunshine List? That is so weird, though, because they are... Uh, yeah, and in, and again, compared to Saskatchewan, that Saskatchewan does report yeah. salaries for any school board employee, so any teacher who earns more than fifty thousand dollars, which they would be w- most of them, surely. Yeah. Yes, yes, it absolutely. Would <laughs> it's be a very that. long list. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not not just, just, at, at which point it becomes completely meaningless, except in, unless you like looking at people's salaries which I do. (laughs) (laughs) I like to know how much the communications flack who is deliberately not giving me information is making to avoid my calls. I I was cheered up last year when so many of our wonderful colleagues were laid off here. And then a year later, they popped up on the sunshine list earning twice what they had here. And then I felt felt less survivor guilt. (laughs) It does feel a little better. Yeah. Anyhow, what I found out when I sort of started digging through these lists is there's, there's a lot of strangeness to it. So yes, all the information is out there, but it's hard to find. So one One bizarre quirk is that a deputy minister is basically like a government appointed top bureaucrat in each department or or, uh, ministry. And the minister, the deputy minister of health and the deputy minister of justice are not in the government sunshine list. Because why? Well, they are. It turns out they are, but they're listed under 2015 and there's no salary listed. There's just a link to the PDF of their contract. And you have to know to search specifically by name to find it. So, so if that- you just looked through 2016, you wouldn't find them. The, the reason they're not is because it's all done by their tax return. So they're technically employees of the University of Alberta. So they're on the University of Alberta's sunshine list. But you would have to know to look there. And the, you know, the, the woman I talked to from the Public Service Commission said, oh, well, but it says in the contract that's listed under 2015 under their name that they're paid by the University of Alberta. So then you would know to go look at the University of Alberta's list. Oh, my God. <laughs> now, if ever there were, okay. if you ever there were a time to use the word boondoggle, I reckon that about Alberta's sunshine list is probably it. Now, the, the NDP brought these in. Oh, no. There was already a sunshine list, wasn't yes, there? Yes. Yeah, and was, the this NDP was, expanded yeah. it, as I understand. They expanded it to the other public sector workers, so right. not government workers, but... The agencies, AD- boards, and commissions, the Alberta ABCs. Health Services. Now, you, I um, I heard you having a chat with Joe Cece. It was so bizarre. He agreed no, with you, right? Yeah. Normally, you call up uh, ministers, and they're like, no, it's fine. Everything's great. Uh, <laughs> We've got our buttons back. <laughs> Joe was just like, yeah, I'm in my backyard right now. And I was like, oh, okay. So, I was looking through your list. He's like, good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I found some uh, some quirks. Yeah. <laughs> 
thanks. A little too much stampeding, maybe for the yeah. Ministry no, he was finance. sober as far as I knew, um, <laughs> and he was just like, yeah, thanks for looking through that. I appreciate it. Those are all really good suggestions. And, really? and the, all he really said to sort of defend it was, um, you know, our government wanted to be transparent and get that information out there as quickly as possible. And I'm very proud of the speed and alacrity with which we've published this information. And yeah, does it need improvement? Totally. And I was like, great. So how about making one list for everybody? Sure. <laughs> I was like, he was really chill. You, yeah, he, he was yeah. totally could, chill. And you could list them by salary. Crazy thought. Well, you can, okay. So you can you click the category. It's like a searchable database. You click the category at the top, and you can search it by ascending or descending. You can search by salary, but um, it's also every year is in one list. So right now we've got 2012 through 2016 all in one list. So if you search by salary, it's like 25. That's just how much somebody earned in 2015, and here's how much somebody else earned oh, in 2012, and here's some, so it's a little unwieldy and a little bit of a nuisance. A little unwieldy. That's 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 the kindest understatement. To... I'm, neut- I'm neutral. <laughs> that's right. You. That's right. Janet is not paid to have opinions. I'm paid to have opinions, and I'm. When you do a data dump like that, <laughs> and here's mine, says Paul. Here's mine. When you do a data dump for, for like free. that, for free, <laughs> yes, for free, uh, because, uh, well, given what Post Media pays me, let's just say it, not on anybody's sunshine list. I mean, I guess I w- I'd be on the sunshine list in Saskatchewan, not in Alberta. Uh, but, uh, yeah, a data dump like that, obviously, I mean, the, the purpose of the exercise about which I've frankly always been a bit ambivalent because I think that a lot of what people want to look at is just, you know, sort of salacious gawking and not public policy analysis. <laughs> of course. But, I mean, as long as you're going to put the information out there, it has to be in some kind of usable, readable form. I mean, the purpose of the exercise isn't to, you know, give Janet four days of work. It's so that ordinary people can see how much, you know, their betters are earning. And if you can't tell that from the information, then it's, that it's just, you know, it's like one of those FOIP things where they send you boxes and boxes and boxes of documents that are not actually responsive to your request. And so, you know, you, you're sort of drowned in paper. So you don't like the idea of a sunshine list at all? I'm, I'm queasy about it because... Is that because of the Buckleys you just shot back? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm high on turpentine. Um, I think that it's useful to know how much the people who are making you know, more than $250,000 are making. I mean, Janet's piece last week that revealed that the Edmonton Catholic School superintendent earns more than, I mean, way more, say... $415,000? So more more than the premier. I think that's more More than, than the prime minister. Yeah. So now, you might argue... As Does a, she as have I, good stuff? More than the prime minister. As, as, I, as I joked on Twitter, I wouldn't be the superintendent of the, of the Edmonton Catholic School Board for $100 million. Um, I bet you would. <laughs> I would. Nope. <laughs> I would not. T- I would not take that job for a hundred million dollars. That's a crazy job. But I mean, it is. It is useful. I think. I think people who are going to vote in the Catholic school board election, I think they have a right to know that their superintendent is being paid in a way that seems disproportionate to other public school superintendents. I think that is a matter of public policy that voters have a right to know. Do they have the right to know the salary of every senior teacher? I mean. I mean, at a certain point, this just becomes about inciting jealousy, I think, as much as anything else. And I agree with Paula. It's sort of voyeurism. You know, and I think that people use it just to look at what their colleagues are making in the same department kind of thing. Yep. Um, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm with Paula. I'm two minds about this. Yes, it's good to be open and transparent, 
but at some point the threshold may be a bit too low in terms of uh, what we're actually looking at in terms of the uh, the salaries. I used to work at Legal Aid in British Columbia, so I was kind of a quasi-government employee, I suppose, and we had this issue come out that they were expanding their sunshine list at the time to take in like Legal Services Society, and it caused such an uproar in the office. People were just like, oh my God, everyone's going to know what I make, and they were just felt... They hated it. They hated the idea that they were going to be suddenly listed. With well, they were their... probably embarrassed that their law school friends would find out what kind of crap money they were earning working for legal but aid. fighting the good fight. One really interesting <laughs> thing that was in the bottom of my story was that 238 people applied under a special exemption uh, for safety to have their names removed from the Sunshine List, and seven succeeded. Uh, yeah. So the, I mean, so the Crown, law is basically... Crown, pros- Crown prosecutors were very concerned about this at yeah. the time. If you're, but the, the, the bar is like, if your ex has been criminally harassing you, you know, and or your, your location is, you know, if it could be a threat to your safety for somebody to publicly know your location, if you're in witness protection or something, that, that's their bar for, for excluding your name. But otherwise, no, no dice. Huh. I just think it's really interesting that 238 people bothered to apply. Yeah. I bet they would have done so at Legal Aid. Woo! That caused a kerfuffle. So, let's move on to Calgary Stampede. I know we're in Edmonton, but... um, So, NDP government seems to be attending an awful lot of events. Like, a lot. And not just, like, hanging out with their family and checking out the mini donkeys, eating those little tiny donuts. Or maybe they're doing that too. Editor's note, um, Emma's husband, Yuri, has decided he wants to buy a miniature donkey after his trip to the Stampede. So, (laughs) yeah. And we live in an apartment, so that's going to be awesome. We've got a really, really small miniature donkey. (laughs) Well, I mean, they're little, right? They're miniature. Little, we'll put little slippers on it so it doesn't bother the downstairs neighbours when he clips Can you around. toilet train a miniature donkey? I don't see why not. Good luck. <laughs> if my landlord is listening. <laughs> this never happened. <laughs> you actually tallied up how many... I counted last night because Emma and I just were sitting at our desk and bing, bing, the email keeps going off and it's just like another stampede event with a cabinet minister. Yeah. So I counted last night and I counted 20 that we know about where cabinet ministers were either glad handing or doing some... Was at least that creative, yeah. very creative that. I it was things. I, bonus more... bonus points though to the people who organize these things. So some examples would be uh, Shay Anderson, the municipal affairs minister, met with reporters by one of the midway rides, oh, yeah. so they could do a safety inspection to prove to Albertans that midway rides are safe to ride, and then. Reporters had the opportunity to ride with Minister Anderson on one of those rides. And they were letting GoPros on, no worries. I liked the one that, oh, I didn't like it, but I thought it was weird. Oh, Neil Carlier. Oh, Neil Carlier. Farms are good. Yeah, he turned up to do an event about what it was like growing up on a farm and see, I know how to milk a cow. Graham, have you ever seen so many? No, and there's more than 20. I think there was like eight or nine. I think just with Laurie, Laurie Sirkerson was doing at least half a dozen, at least. This that week poor alone. woman is going to need to eat salad next week. Um, <laughs> and the thing is, this week I went to knock on the door of the Premier's press office in the legislature, and it's actually locked. There was nobody there. <laughs> They'd actually moved the office, so to speak, to McDougal Center in Calgary for the duration of the, the stampede. And, of course, the stampede kicked off. The pre-kickoff was Notley going there and announcing $1.5 billion for the LRT expansion for the Green Line. Money paid for, of course, by the carbon tax. But this is the the NDP was, I think it was 50 MLAs there. I think I, I read um, Don Bray did a column saying it was not late. One of the events, pancakes, whatever, flipping pancakes, and 50 MLAs were with her, which is almost the entire caucus 
of the the NDP were at the stampede, and they were everywhere. Yeah, yeah I mean, Joe Cece used the stampede to announce the uh, new patio liquor laws. I mean, yeah. they're, I mean, they're using stampede. And it is fascinating, right? I mean, we talked last week about the the faux hullabaloo about the fact that Justin Trudeau wasn't going to be at the parade because, he, you know, he was at the G20, which is a pretty good excuse. But guess who's coming after all to Stampede? <laughs> Justin Trudeau is going to be there. And, you know, so this led to like a picture of him flipping a pancake or something. Oh, he's flip-flopped. Like, oh, my gosh. I don't. That's not, that's not what flip flop means. But, but now Brian Jean is is demanding an emergency meeting over equalization because Justin is coming for the stampede. It's almost as if he'd had no chance when he was a member of parliament and his <laughs> party was in power to talk about equalization. Hmm. So, yeah. But okay. But think of going back to the, the stampede. Um, in a sense, we're in the election red zone already. This is the NDP basically going down uh, with the hat in hand, handing out money. There's Stetson in hand handing out money to Calgary. This is them trying to make a connection with Calgary, trying their best to show they're not just Edmonton city slickers, that they're actually Look, making a connection. we can wear a hat and boots too. You know, We're not city slickers. I mean, the thing is, it, it will not work. I mean, you can give Calgary all the money you like. I mean, the it is fascinating because I think, you know, as as Miss Edmonton Booster as I am, I mean, it would be very nice if we also got money for our LRT and Don Iveson was working hard to spin this saying, oh, no, it's great that Calgary is getting $1.5 billion because it sets a precedent for which Edmonton will eventually someday maybe get money for its LRT. Oh, I'm sure we will. Coming out of the carbon tax. And again, this is them trying to tie some good news back to the carbon tax. So there's a lot of things going on here. And this is the NDP trying desperately to win over Calgary because the next election is going to be fought really in Calgary. Edmonton's NDP, the rest of Alberta is going to be, well, Wildrose slash PC slash UCP, which is a whole different issue <laughs> next week, the United Conservative Party. So Calgary's going to be one heck of a battleground next election. At least the NDP hopes it'll be a battleground as opposed to a slaughter from Do the anti-NDP forces there. But just how useful is it for MLAs to rock up playing dress-ups and flip pancakes. In my mind, at like, if I could vote in Canada, which I can't, <laughs> I can't imagine. I'm not a citizen yet, just to put make that very clear. Um, it's not that she's a convicted felon. <laughs> <laughs> not, not yet. Um, but, yeah, I, I can't see how that, as a voter, would make me want to vote for somebody just because they happen to turn up. And you don't even know who these people are. I mean, I work there full time it's only recent you know it takes six months to get to know who all the MLAs are all the backbench I mean I think on the other hand if you don't show up people do remember that that's a good point and they carry a grudge and so I mean it can't look at Trudeau right yeah it's summer we don't have any forest fires of our very own we you know you can put the thing on autopilot for a week and go down and flip pancakes and probably I mean the you know the the risk of not doing it is immense The, the potential benefit of doing it is perhaps marginal, but I guess if you're doing the risk-benefit analysis, it makes more sense. The thing is, Edmontonians know that when Rachel Notley shows up at Folkfest in the Fringe, that that's not for political reasons. I mean, you know, Rachel Notley would never not go to the Folkfest because that's her place. That's her happy place. But 
<laughs> but, you know, but does it is it performative when they go down to Stampede? I mean, you you, you sent me an email that you said this week. Why is Neil Carlier always saying that he grew up on a farm? Well, I mean, the answer to that is obvious because uh, you know the NDP were roundly attacked for not having any farmers in their caucus, so they have to trot O'Neill Carlier out at every opportunity. It's the same reason that that David Swan, the leader of the Liberal, sorry, the former leader of the Liberal Party, um, always played up the fact that he grew up in ranch country and could ride a horse. And, you know, I mean, if, if David Swan could have taken that horse with him everywhere he went, <laughs> he would have done so. It's a it's a shibboleth. It's a it's a it's a signal that, you know, you're one of you're one of them people. Uh-huh. No beer for me and a chaff bad for my my pony Sparky. Thanks. <laughs> well, you know, and the fact that Notley grew up in rural northern Alberta and can ride a horse, uh, you know, works for her, too. I mean, unless again, her hat is on backwards. Well, yeah, oh, gosh. <laughs> Did oh she wear gosh. her hat backwards? Yeah, yeah last oh, year. Yeah. So, not this year. Not this year. I think oh. the lesson has been I, th- I, I think someone in the. It, that's why they had to close the media office. Credit, <laughs> bring, bring enough people <laughs> to always make sure that their hats are pointed the right way around. But when it is stampede time, and of course, I've been I've been to stampede a couple of times, um, just you know for giggles, because why not? But how much attention are Calgarians paying to news at that time of? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Well, I think, I think the uh, LRT would have been big, huge news. Um, you know, oh. the LRT announcement. But the patio one? The Laurie Sigurdsson ones? Well, no, uh, I don't know. I, I think a lot of the stuff is no one's paying. You're right. No one's really paying attention. But I think Paula is really, really, really dead on when it comes to an issue of if they didn't show up, they'd be hammered for not liking Calgary. And they turn up just to keep things basically neutral and even. Um, the the one point five billion dollars people will it's a good idea but they won't really make a connection I don't think next election that the NDP did this out of carbon uh, the carbon tax dollars people do not like the carbon tax we've seen a lot of polls I've, I've spent ten days in the road talking to people in rural Alberta who hate the carbon tax who are blaming the NDP for everything grand cash they're blaming the NDP some people at least are blaming the NDP for shutting down the coal mine the NDP had nothing to do with that. You can explain that to them, but it doesn't matter. A lot of anger out there. And so if you mention the carbon tax, it's bad. If you mention the green line, the expansion $1.5 billion being paid for by carbon, the, the carbon tax, people don't really make that connection uh, well, of it being and, good. And people in rural Alberta don't give a flying, Absolutely. A fl- a flying flapjack if Calgary gets an LRT. In fact, they're, they're more angry about it. They're saying we need upgrades here. And what they see is the NDP giving a lot of money to Edmonton and Calgary, and the big cities, Lethbridge, Red Deer, any urban area, they see getting money, and they're desperate for money. And so they don't look at this saying this is a good thing. It's all negative in their, in their minds. Paul is just opening a, uh, a, cough, a, a cough sweetie right now, if you're wondering what that crinkling in the background is. <laughs> so let's move on to our regular segment, Good Stuff from the Gallery. Graham. I sent you my link already. It's, um, Thank you so very much for being so organized. Well, there we go. Because um, I apologize for being late this morning. Um, quickly, it's uh, an article in the New York magazine, The Uninhabitable Earth. It's about climate change, just how bad things get or can get. And the opening line is, it is, I promise, worse than you think. And it goes on to explain just how bad it will get. <laughs> For and then climate change. <laughs> Janet's phone just started talking as Graham was explaining that. Sorry, Graham. I'll explain in a second. 
Bola, what do you have for us? I wrote a piece last week about the fact that Google is opening an AI lab in Edmonton. I've been thinking about artificial intelligence. Creepy, creepy. I don't like robots. Robots are bad. This week, as I was driving in my car, I heard the Most Wonderful Ideas documentary by Scott Lilwall, who used to work for the CBC here in Edmonton, um, about artificial intelligence and morality. And is it possible to teach algorithms to be moral? And it was just such a well-done piece, wonderful production values, really, really interesting contributors. I think it first aired back in February, but this was the first time that I had heard it. And you can listen to the whole thing online, and I have already sent Emma the link. Thank you, guys. I am going to recommend a piece in Rolling Stone magazine about legalized marijuana. So, of course, this is something that Canada is kind of grappling with right now. It is a fascinating piece. Um, It's about a Republican. uh, He's an anti-pot congressman called Andy Harris. And he is actually sponsoring a bill that is going to loosen the rules on marijuana so it can be researched because he doesn't think that medical marijuana is a thing. He doesn't think it has any medical benefits whatsoever. But he's co-sponsoring with with, um, a Democrat guy who's like, no, of course, it has tons and tons of benefits. So it's like this poker game about pot and whether or not it has any um, medical benefits because right now to do research in the States, it's it's a class one narcotic or something like that. So there has been a real lack of actual scientific research in the states done on it. So it's called Why an Anti-Pot Lawmaker is Pushing for Marijuana Research. It is a fantastic read, very interesting. And Janet, what do you have for us? Uh, It's a podcast, which I just tried to play by accident. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I'm a parent who works a lot, so I don't sit and read a lot of things because there's not time. But I do listen to a lot of podcasts. So uh, Malcolm Gladwell has a podcast called Revisionist History and it's on its second season. And I listened to a funny, very funny episode last night uh, about golf and how um, the way that the Los Angeles tax code, I know I have you a tax code, right? (laughs) It's actually, it's hilarious. Um, The way the Los Angeles tax code works is allowing um, millions of citizens in the Los Angeles area to subsidize some of the richest golf courses in the world. I can't tell you how many times he uses the phrase rich white men. <laughs> um, and uh, then it actually, he somehow meanders off into philosophy with this and it's all, and ties it all together in a very neat bow. And I won't say anymore because it's fascinating, but good lesson. Awesome. Saying quickly, as we were talking, another news release came across from the government. Government celebrates classic car collectors. No. Join the Calgary Stampede? Yes. No. In Calgary. Join Service Alberta Minister Stephanie McLean on Friday for a special declaration to celebrate classic and vintage cars and their collectors. Friday, oh July 14th in Calgary. Do you think it's going to be a new set of like uh, number plates, like license plates, specifically for classic car collectors, but they're going to be cowboy ones? Vote NDP. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, but there's two words that end in an apostrophe in the title of this event, so... <laughs> That's saying something. Oh, Lord. Well, thanks for joining us. Graham, Paula, Janet, and Sean Butts, our photographer who is here to film some of this and put it online at edmontonjournal.com, where you can find all the past episodes of the Press Gallery. You can also sign up to our SoundCloud channel, iTunes, on TuneIn Radio. Hopefully you'll join us again this time next week on the Press Gallery. Press Gallery.